judge a person and it turns out you didn't have the whole story? Ever learn there was a lot more to that story than you first realized? I'm Kimberly. And I'm Rebecca. Join us as we separate the little lies from the big reputations. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. How you doing? It's winter, so terribly. (laughs) It's weird because this winter we actually like have to go outside a little bit more. You know, not that I would want to be stuck at home pandemic wise and everything, but like it was kind of nice not having to bundle up. It was a good excuse to not have to go out in the snow. Like I'm not a snow person. I'm a I'm a fall on the ice person. So whenever it's wintry, I'm I'm good to stay at home. So. The pandemic was a, a nice excuse to be like, hey, I can't come. So many reasons. It literally has not snowed yet, though. I don't know what you're talking Listen, about. <laughs> knock on everyone. Stop and knock on one right it's gonna now. It's going to snow before you go home today. You said Shut it's up. I'm not going <laughs> home. I'm not. If I see snow, guess what? So Cuddling up with you. So I'm if not. it turns into a bed, it's all you. <laughs> I hate snow Sean so can sleep there is what you're saying. <laughs> I've already claimed you as my cuddle partner, so yes. All right. Sorry, Sean. <laughs> it's fine. He doesn't get home till like four in the morning anyway, so you'll be getting up at that point. <laughs> I would I'm an early riser. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, winter and cold is not my favorite, but like the holidays are coming up and you know, this is actually our last episode before it Christmas. Is. We're both Christmas people, right? Happy holidays to everyone. Happy but holidays. we both we both do Christmas. Mm, I guess. Ish. Um, I mean, you don't do Hanukkah. Do you do no. Kwanzaa? No, I wish. I don't know enough about it. Every year I'm like, this is going to be the year. I'm going to learn about Kwanzaa and I don't. So I I do Christmas by default. So Merry Christmas. All right. Merry Christmas. But I always write happy holidays. Mostly yeah, to piss same. people off sometimes. <laughs> You're supposed to say I do it to be inclusive, but like also I get that vibe. I mean. I get it. I get it. I, I, I'm with you. Don't. From working at uh, Barnes & Noble, I remember this one time this lady was like, I was like, happy holidays. And she was like. I know you mean to say Merry Christmas, so you can say Merry Christmas to me. And I was like, no, Happy Holidays, like, adds all the holidays. And I don't know which well, one you celebrate. What do you mean you know so, like, what I mean to say? Like, yeah. Me. And it was just like, you know what? If it pisses off people to say Happy Holidays and it's helpful for people to say Happy Holidays, like, why not both? I'm, I'm going to get both in there. Why not both? I swear, we need this to be on a shirt. Why not both? <laughs> Sam, Sam, make this a shirt for us. <laughs> Um, but we do travel. Um, we're going to be traveling to see a little bit of our family, which, you know, after last year, we didn't mm. get to go anywhere. So we had Zoom Christmas last year. Mm. And well, it was nice to not have to worry about like car rentals and yeah. gas tolls. Yeah, it's still like I, I like to see family and we yeah. only get to see family like twice a year. So, mm. you know, we're doing like very light traveling like his parents are in Jersey. My husband's parents are in Jersey. So. We're going to spend some time out there. We're going to bring the dog. He's going to pee on everything. Kind of worried about it. That's what he does when he goes to new places. So Marking his territory. Yeah. And like, (laughs) I mean, if it weren't for like him doing that, I'd be way more comfortable. Like, I'm worried about it. I'm worried about it. But he's he's adorable. Everybody loves him. Everybody loves Pete. (sighs) Share some pictures of Pete to our Instagram. Oh, I will. Okay. He's a ham. There's so many of them. He is. I love it. Yeah. 
But, you know, when it's cold, you don't want to, like, go outside too much. So you sit around and you watch a little something. Yes. Uh, we just got HBO Max. And Ooh, congrats. Yes. Uh, we got, like, some kind of free thing through our phone company. That's nice. the only reason we have it because I don't – I'm good with Same Netflix. with us and Apple TV. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's why anybody has Apple TV, honestly. <laughs> and I'm I'm pretty sure that every time you buy a new device, they give you another year of – They do. That's what I read. And I was just like, oh, is this – like this is oh, how we get you to get an iPhone, right? And like this is, or this is how you get your ratings up on these shows. Because I'm like, who's watching this? Oh, everyone with an iPhone because they yep. gave it to them. But literally, we didn't watch it for like the first ten months. We had the free subscription, and then we're like, oh, well, maybe we should try and watch something. And and now it's like exclusively what you watch. No, I I only have watched two shows on that. Mm. But yeah, which you well um. <clears throat> Obviously, Ted Lasso. What's that? I'm not sure. I don't know about that show. I've never anyway, heard of it. Talk about what you're watching. Talk <laughs> so I'm watching a Black, Black Lady sketch show. It's amazing. And it feels very much like it was written for and by Black women. So there are some jokes that like you won't get, but most of the jokes you will get. But those jokes that you don't get, I get. And I have to pause it because I'm laughing so hard. I love that. It's It's so good. Like, it feels... It feels really good to be seen, and it feels like the show is like, hey, black girl, this is for you. And, like, they're so funny, and, like, the group of black women are so diverse, and I, don't know, I feel like it's really good for people to see that, because I feel like some people are just like, eh, black ladies, they're all the same. But, like, there's five girls on the show, and they're definitely not. They're so different, each one of them. And, like, their comedy styles are different, and it's... It's hysterical. It's in its second season. That's so literally why representation it. matters so that we exactly. stop thinking that like all black ladies are the same or mm-hmm. all black comedians are the same or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, no, I I have that that show on my list because Ashley Nicole Black is a writer on Ted Lasso and, you know, uh, she's hilarious. <laughs> she yeah, and honestly the episodes she did are really are really great episodes. She was also a guest on Brett Goldstein's podcast Films to be Buried with and Brett Goldstein is an actor and a writer for Ted Lasso, but uh, he does this podcast that he's been doing for a long time. He's got a like I think he's almost up to 200 episodes or something. Wow. And basically he brings guests on and he's like, "Oh, you're dead." <laughs> and let me retell like, or retell or tell the people in heaven what your life was like based on movies that you saw. So you'll say like, what's the first movie you remember seeing? What, what movie made you cry the most? What movie did you find sexy? That is weird, but I kind of love it. Yeah. Uh, what is it called? Films to be buried with. I will. I'd watch that. I'd listen to that. that yeah. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Give it a shot. I mean, I, I've only listened to a handful based on like, names that i recognized and Mm -hmm. now i'm listening to new ones like i didn't go back and listen to his whole back catalog but i think he had two episodes with ashley nicole black actually so he does one if he does a second episode with you he brings you back from the dead (laughs) (laughs) i love that yeah but actually recently i've been watching hawkeye on disney plus and like i'm not a big jeremy renner fan at all um (laughs) yeah (laughs) but but, i'm like no he's good in that movie with they where they play uh yeah but in real life i think he's problematic is he yeah what don't, what don't i know I about him? i don't remember now hmm. i feel like i should know uh i don't remember he's getting that movie tag okay it's a very good movie it's got a oh sexy face from mad men hmm i can picture him but i can't remember his name john ham oh john i was mm-hmm. like i know <laughs> john ham Sexy but fans. the show is actually more about um, Kate Bishop, who is 
I think she takes the mantle of Hawkeye after, you know how like in the Avengers movies, he was kind of like retiring and whatnot. Yeah. I think she she is also known as Hawkeye. I know her from the, the America Chavez comics. So when I okay. saw her in there, I was like, oh, she's going to be in this show. I'll watch it. And it's actually got Haley Steinfeld, Steinfeld in it. I love her. And she's on Dickinson. She's the she plays oh. Emily Dickinson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I I'm slightly more interested in that now. It's a weird show because it's like this combination of a period piece of the 19th century mm-hmm. and Emily Dickinson and all of that, but also with some like modern music and language, like the way they speak to one another is very informal so it's it's a kind of weird mashup yeah. and you have to you have to go into it with that sort of open mind of like okay, okay this is gonna be this is not gonna be your your traditional period piece okay fair um so yeah and like they also just announced that there's a new spider-verse movie the animated miles mm-hmm. morales movie and she voices gwen stacy in okay that movie so it's like all Haley steinfeld right now <laughs> Have you, off topic, on topic, have you ever seen the movie Begin Again? I have not. It's on Netflix. It's like, it's in my top five. I okay. absolutely love it. It's Mark Ruffalo. Uh, yes. I love anything Mark Ruffalo. Um, oh so my pretty. God. He's so like pretty. Knightley. Pretty. He's weirdly pretty. Kira Knightley, who I will also watch anything with her in it, and Haley Seinfeld. Okay. And it's very, very good. It's on Netflix. It's It's a musical, but it's not like the music like they don't break off into song like they're filming they're like filming a musical or they're filming they're making an album so it it fits it's not like awkward singing no it fits really well the only bad thing about it is what's his name isn't it james corbin oh he's not great but everything else is perfect in this movie it's it's the only thing i liked him in was doctor who (laughs) he was in like two episodes of doctor who way back which doctor the Tenth Doctor, I believe. I don't think I got that far. It's literally like not the not the one that Naomi loves, but the next one. I like the one Naomi likes. Oh, okay. Well, he's good. He's definitely good. Anyway, <laughs> no, no one will know except for Naomi. <laughs> um, let, let's 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 get into the episode. Let's focus up. We've got we've got a big topic, and I think we've got a lot of notes to share with you all, so it's probably going to be a long episode. Settle in. Get your beers. Get your champagne. Unless you're driving, then just, like, pay attention to the road and listen to us. Close your beer if you're driving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Ten and two. All right. Uh, says the one who doesn't drive. Like I know it's <laughs> ten and two. I don't need to know. I have a permit, Okay. Like, don't, don't try and shame me. I'm going to, just because it's fun. Wow. <laughs> no, but our topic today is is kind of a big one. I mm-hmm. mean, it is a big topic. We're, we're on a big topic episode. And we're going to be talking about revenge porn. Revenge porn is basically a distribution of sexually explicit images or videos of individuals without their consent. Mm-hmm. The term revenge porn most commonly refers to uploading of sexual explicit materials to the internet to humiliate or intimidate a subject who has broken off a relationship. Yeah, and and there are non-revenge scenarios that fit under this umbrella too, right? Like mm-hmm. non-consensual pornography that gets sold for profit or notoriety. You know, if you think about like hackers leaking nudes or celebrity sex tapes, that mm-hmm. would sort of fall under that. And because revenge is not always the goal, there's actually some academics that argue that the term shouldn't be used, that it's not really the best fitting term. Instead, it should be referred to as image-based sexual abuse. 
Yeah, but that doesn't rule off the tongue the same way. It doesn't, but no. it, it definitely tells us what what it really is. Yeah. That's kind of what we're going to be doing today. So yeah. It's not just going to be, my boyfriend broke up with me, but it's going to be all of it. All of it. So we're going to actually go over some of the history of revenge porn from pre-internet days to today. Pre-internet. Pre-internet. Oh, Dinosaur back, nudes. Oh, I remember when we didn't have the interwebs. You had to go to the course catalog. <laughs> The horse catalog? The course <laughs> catalog. I was like, what are you even talking about? I guess the horse catalog is like very, very pre-internet <laughs> days. Yeah, we're not going that far back. You go to the horse and it tells you like where the books are, <laughs> right? Is that what that means? Oh my goodness. We're a mess. <laughs> and we're going to speak a little bit about victim blaming and where the blame should actually lie when it comes to revenge porn and other non-consensual sharing of explicit content. And finally, we'll talk about the overall impact of revenge porn on women and the damages it can cause to the individual and beyond. So let's dig into the history of it, right? Let's talk about... I don't know if it's necessarily the origins, because I'm sure this sort of stuff has been around since before. I'm sure. We have recordings of it, but... Yeah, I'm sure someone definitely mailed some Pony Express some nudes (laughs) unconsensually to people. But um, some nudes that I thought were, like, very big to building an empire. Uh, In 1949, a broken, jobless Marilyn Monroe posted for some nude pinup photos for a photographer named Thomas Kelly. She did this all in exchange for $50. I kind of wish I knew what that was worth today because I know it's still too little, but like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wish there was a math calculator for I'm like sure there is. Times. Someone convert that. $1949.50. What is that worth today? Email us. Tweet let us. us know. Tweet us. Um, so she needed to make a car payment, which I guess it was enough because you can make a car payment for $50. I mean, all she right. probably bought a house with that too. Um, anyway. <laughs> So she was out of choices, and she's like, it's these nudes or I'm walking. So she was pursuing an acting career, and at the time, many studios had this morality clause. So, like, nude pictures popping up would have been an issue. So Monroe signed a fake name. She signed Mona Monroe. She took her cash, and she never looked back. Her career took off, and then all of a sudden, those photos started to resurface. Monroe found herself on the cover of the debut issue of a new magazine started by a young publisher named Hugh Hefner. So I'm actually kind of curious about that, too, because you said she signed a fake name, Mona Monroe. And mm-hmm. of course, her name is like Norma Jean, Norma Jean Baker. Baker. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, you said, you know, her career took off after the fact that yeah. M- Mona Monroe was maybe her first uh her, her first, first go-round but then they're like no i think the word the name marilyn would be yeah more i don't know i mean we're definitely gonna cover her at some point in the future so we can get into like exactly where marilyn came from yeah 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 well hefner actually bought the photos from a calendar company for 500 dollars. so of course he's already made 10 times mm-hmm. the amount of money that monroe did from posing for these photos and he puts Marilyn Monroe on the cover and the centerfold. Mm -hmm. And of course, that magazine became a bestseller and launched his media empire, which would be Playboy. 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 So every Playboy slot machine you see when you're in like Vegas or Atlantic City, like all of this got launched on the back of Marilyn Monroe. 
Yeah. yeah. And I feel like the argument's going to be like, well, it was an image and she sold it, so whatever. But, like, the intent of the images were to be used for a calendar, not a magazine that would be mass distributed to hundreds of thousands of people. And it's a nightmare that many women are are subject to today. Yeah. You know, you, you create these images for one purpose mm-hmm. and then they end up being used for something else. Yeah. And Monroe never saw another dime from those pictures, right? Mm-hmm. She told... George Barris in uh, Maryland, Her Life in Her Own Words. She said, I even had to buy a copy of the magazine to see myself in it. I never even received a thank you from all those who made millions off of my photograph. And, you know, not then, but at the peak of Playboy, Hefner's net worth was over $200 million. So So I just want to talk about like how creepy he is for a second. A little tangent. So he never even met Marilyn Monroe. Never met her. So he's dead now. Yeah. Hugh Hefner. So when he died, or before he died, he did his all will, and he planned his burial. He spent an absorbent amount of money. I will find the amount of money, and I'll put it in the Instagram, um, to be buried next to Marilyn Monroe. He never met Marilyn Monroe. Never met her, never had a conversation. He alleges that he spoke to her on the phone once, but, like, who knows if that's even true. He had a thing for blondes and glamorized her and you can kind of see it in everything else he's done remember he had that show where he had those three women that he lived with and they were all blonde being blonde is like a a thing with playboy but it's so creepy to me that he he spent all this money built his career off of her back never met her and has been obsessed with her for years and is now buried next to her like if you're a person who like believes in like your final resting place being your actual final resting place She's got this creepy stalker next to her. <laughs> and she can't Gross. do anything about it because she's gone. And it's just like, who okayed that? Like, he's yeah. just, he's, he's very weird. Who okayed it? Money. Money okayed it. Yeah. I, honestly, like, it's interesting, too, because Playboy was referred to as a gentleman's magazine. Mm-hmm. Right? It was high class. High class. And, you know, people joke about, like, having, getting playboy for the articles or whatever but it did actually feature interviews with people like malcolm x the beatles alan ginsburg and even had pieces written by ray bradbury right you know we have on the other hand we have hustler and that was sort of the working class neighbor who didn't have time to read about civil rights but still wanted to see some boobs yeah always yeah and Honestly, while the two magazines were different, they did both share a history of making a bulk of their money off of women who did not consent. Yeah. So in the 1970s, Hustler Magazine began this monthly feature that published reader-submitted amateur photographies. They were usually nude and unprofessionals. Uh, They called it the beaver hunt. Oh. Because they're classy. Also, side note, I didn't know that that was like slang for female genitalia when i was like in a freshman or something in high school and i had a boyfriend or maybe it was sophomore year i don't remember now exactly but i had a boyfriend who had gone to a private school beaver country day <laughs> and he had a t-shirt that just said beaver on it and i used to wear it not knowing and of course like the older kids would laugh that's funny yep. i think that's so i think it's because like it's hairy but that's not a thing anymore really it's like a dam what i don't know <laughs> I don't understand the slang. I think the beaver terminology came from like the 70s where everybody had like like a bush. Okay, sure. But like there are other furry animals too. Like why a beaver? Why a dam? 
I don't know, because if you do things right, you can release the... <laughs> That's the opposite of a beaver's job. <laughs> that would be a delinquent beaver building improper dams. Where okay, flooding okay. is happening. We're going way off the tangent. All Leave right. these beavers alone. Anyway. Beaver hunt. Beaver hunt. So back to the beaver hunt. Uh, so the photo was usually accompanied by the name, location, and profession, and a little anecdote. Uh, so you would send in the photo, and you would earn 50 whole dollars. What was it with $50? So this is like 1970s versus the 40s. Like, how much was $50 then? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. People are doing a lot for 50 bucks. Yeah, I need more. I need more than 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem was that Hustler could never be 100% sure that the photos were consensual or if the women in the photo even knew that they were being submitted. Right? Hustler claimed they had a strict screening process mm-hmm. that included obtaining a sal- assigned release from the model, but this release was sent via mail to the address that the photo came from, and it only required a signature. Like, are they checking that signature for forgeries and i mean like if you're gonna send a naked photo without someone's consent i don't think you're above forging a signature oh absolutely not yeah. so in 1984 a woman named lejohn wood sued hustler for invasion of privacy so the story is a little crazy so wood and her husband billy took nude photos of themselves when they were out camping maybe they were beavers there <laughs> So they were camping. That's where the beavers That's came from. That's where it came from. Maybe there's a beaver in the background just like, <laughs> what is that? That lady looks cold. Uh, <laughs> they had these naked photos. They kept them in their bedside drawer, you know, like you do. Sure. But I mean, why not? So their images were stolen by a neighbor couple, Kelly Rhodes and Steve Simpson. Kelly submitted the photos of Woods along with a caption that said, Wood is a 22-year-old housewife and mother from Bryant, Texas, whose hobby is collecting arrowheads. Her fantasy is to be screwed by two bikers. Kelly also listed the photo credit to Billy. So Billy sued Hustler for defamation. But like, to circle back, this woman stole her neighbor's nude photos. What do you call that when they release your information on the internet? Doxing? Yeah. Yeah. So it was basically like... 1980s doxing yeah but i also i want to know what happened with this couple these two couples like were they having dinner one night I think they were swingers right and then like maybe maybe steve was like hey luana's looking pretty good maybe she's better than kelly and kelly's like i won't stand for this mm. i'm gonna ruin her life because that's a messed up story yeah yeah well the judge in this case noted that mrs wood had felt humiliated devastated degraded and furious And for that, she was more than entitled to a damage payment. The judge also noted that her husband, who was wrongly identified by the magazine as a submitter, had been placed in a false light. This was highly offensive, so he was also entitled to damages. And in the case of Wood versus Hustler magazine, Wood was awarded $150,000 in punitive damages, and her husband was awarded $25,000 in compensatory damages. So... I mean, I'm actually kind of impressed that the woman got more than the man did because that's a whole thing. Because she's his his property, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. There's sarcasm on my face that you can't hear. No, I can hear it. I can hear it. Well, you're right here. I'm talking to to that. But I can hear it. I I didn't say I could see it. I could hear it. So we're going to bridge the gap between, like, the past and the now-ish. So... 
the past and the present, they have similarities. Like they're both littered with women who have lost their voice as their images have been spread unwillingly. The digital age of porn took a lot of its foundation from the way that Playboy started and the way that Hustler did things. As porn made its way from paper to screen, it seemed to only get more ruthless. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about Hunter Moore. That's me vomiting. Yeah, but I think it needs to be done. Not the vomiting, the talking about Mm -hmm. more. Uh, When revenge porn websites actually started creeping up, they're they were using this, some of the same tricks that made the that beaver hunt notable, right? They were focusing on user-submitted content. But again, these were usually submitted without the pictured person's consent or knowledge. And it often included personal information of that person in the photos, right? Mm-hmm. So now we're actually doxing. You know, one of the most famous websites to feature event porn was, uh, was run by Hunter Moore. And it was called Is Anyone Up?, and it was started in 2010, so and like, not that long ago. Not that long ago, no. Uh, like you said, the key difference between Hustler and Is Anyone Up is the audience reach. Like, you can see someone you know in a magazine, tear the page out, and like, oh, put it in your scrapbook. But a website is on the internet. The likelihood of an employer Googling an applicant's name and landing on a porn site is much higher than them just stumbling onto a print magazine. Or, you know, they could always ask Jeeves. <laughs> When, when did I mean, Ask Jeeves stop being a thing? I don't know, but I think it was still a thing in 2010 Absolutely. Mm, actually, I answered that very, like I knew. <laughs> I haven't used Ask Jeeves but since, it was, like, Oregon Trail Times. It was still times. the 21st century Oregon Trail Times. No, Ask Jeeves wasn't around until, well, I don't yes, know when you were playing Oregon Trail, but I was playing I was Oregon in, Trail in 1986, so you were just a, a... I wasn't even born yet. You were just in the womb. Well, yeah. You might have been born. Maybe. But anyway, interneting. We're we're Googling, we're asking Jeeves, we're AOL keyword searching. I don't know. <laughs> AOL keyword searching. Oh my god. <laughs> so in an article written for the written for Rolling Stone titled Hunter Moore, the most hated man on the internet, writer Alex Morris travels with Hunter to learn more about the startup of the site. Ew. I just that that sort of concept creeps out. Like, let me follow you along for a day in the life of being a porn site startup. I, I, I got to think that it was, hey, this guy's a huge asshole. And if I follow him, he'll probably say something fucking stupid. And I can write it in my article, which is what happened. So, well, you know, we yeah, we do find out that is anyone up was actually started by accident. Mm. Right. According to Moore, he says it oh. started. I was having sex with this girl who was engaged to this kind of semi-famous band guy. And all my friends wanted to see her naked because she was so cute. Well, he was having technical difficulties making the pictures she had sent him visible to his friends. He realized he could just post them to a dormant domain that he'd purchased for a possible party promotion. So it's like his own website that he doesn't have a lot of advertising for. And like yeah. Google's he not. Was a, he was a party promoter. So uh, he had a website just sitting there. But over time, his friends added some pictures of their own. And I'm sure they weren't pictures of themselves. Uh, and then like. A week after posting these pictures, he checked the analytics and he saw, apparently to his surprise, that the site had 14,000 plus visitors. And he says, and I was like, holy shit, I could make money doing this. Like, that's what he did. And sometimes it was as much as $30,000 a month due to the advertising that he got on that website. Like, 
Fucking hell. But like no one had any questions. And like who are his friends who were like, I got naked pictures to put on here. Let's start a thing. Oh, who like you are who you surround yourself with. So what made the site way more shocking was how much info was given out. So more included people's names, professions, their social media links, and their city of residence, which ensured that pictures would pop up on Google, which is basically a promise that the site would pop up in any kind of Google search. And Hunter's motivation was money for sure, but it also seems that he liked the attention, right? He was kind of he was an attention-seeking douchebag, really, yeah. right? After people started to notice themselves on the website... They actually reached out to Moore to have the, the images removed. And the victims went after him with cease and desist letters, pleading, shaming, and even trying to appeal to him as a human being. And they're basically met with like, well, no thanks. I'm all right. I'll keep it. Yeah. And Hunter's a, a tool. He definitely leaned into the drama. Um, he accepted what inter- whatever interview request was asked from him, um, from Anderson Cooper to Dr. Drew. He went on TV and was confronted by victims and their parents. Moore's response to a mother was, I'm sorry your daughter was cyber raped, but I mean, now she's educated on technology. Moore often called himself a professional life ruiner and compared himself to Charles Manson. He's, he's a real gem. I- I'm, I'm appalled. Yeah, I, I am appalled. Mm. Um, Charlotte Laws, the mother of one of the victims on the site, decided to track more down and conducted a two-year investigation where she compiled evidence from more than 40 victims and then gave it to the FBI. Now, these victims were adamant about not sending their nudes to the site or sending them to someone who would have posted them. Charlotte believed her daughter and the other victims, and she started digging. I mean, okay, mom. Like, what do you get her for Mother's Day? Like, not a candle. You, she put in so much work because she believed her daughter. She believed women. And, like, she got this done because the FBI was like, well, I guess something's happening, but I don't know. And she was like, here's all the facts. Here's a box of evidence. Handle it. Yeah. Way to go, Charlotte. According to Wired Magazine in 2012, it was revealed that Moore had paid a hacker named Charles Evans on multiple occasions, actually, to break Mm. into the email accounts of victims and steal nude photos to post on his site. And honestly, like, in the first decade of the 2000s, like, I don't think the security on people's emails is nearly what it is now. What what were passwords? Like, you could probably just do one, one, two, two, three, four. four. (laughs) (laughs) And Google's like, okay, that works. No problem. On January 23rd in 2014, Moore was indicted in federal court on charges of conspiracy, unauthorized access to a protected computer, and aggravated identity theft. He was required by law to dismantle the archives for Is Anyone Up? Hunter entered a guilty plea to all the charges. Because, like, what else is he going to do? He was sentenced to around two years in federal prison. Not enough time. No. Um, He's been out and roaming the streets since 2017. He wrote a book that nobody read, and he has a YouTube channel that nobody watches. He's kind of a loser, and he likes to talk about it. According to The Atlantic, one in ten former partners threatened to post sexually explicit images of their exes online, and an estimated 60% follow through. Wow. That's shocking. I mean, most of Moore's site was made up of this kind of content. Yeah, But... Some of it was material that was gained by hacking these emails. Mm -hmm. 
So once hackers noticed that you could simply send a phishing email and hack into someone's personal photos, they started to go after bigger and bigger targets. On August 31st of 2014, a photo dump of around 400 private pictures of celebrities, mostly women, of course, mostly nude, started to show up on 4chan image boards. They were later shared to other sites like Reddit, Twitter, Tumblr. The leak was referred to as the Fappening. Oh. <laughs> also, like, why do they call it a leak when the images are fucking stolen? Like... The leak makes it seem like, oh, sorry, it was an accident. Like, you stole these pictures. The fap was leaking. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Oh. That's like his bed is moist. <laughs> Honestly, I would take moist over the fappening. So do we need to explain the term, the fappening? I mean, I don't want you to, but also, yes, I think we should. <laughs> yeah, because you're not a degenerate like, like me. Like, I got it right away, and that's why it grosses me out. So the word combines fap which is an internet slang term for masturbation, and the title of 2018 film, The Happening. So it's clearly created by a man. And also, both of these things are gross. Like, The Happening is not a good movie. <laughs> it's so bad. And I want to like it, because I like M. Night Shyamalan, but it's actually, no, you M. should M. Night watch Shyamalan it. only made one good movie, and that was The Sixth Sense, the end. <laughs> no, that one where the, the parents went to go see, the kids went to go see their grandparents. The Visit, that's very good. Maybe. Oh, and the one with uh No, just the Sixth Sense. No, <laughs> no, this is now a M. Night Shyamalan forgiveness podcast. Um, <laughs> the Village is good once. And if you don't think about it too hard, The Village is very good because there's lots of plot holes. It can't. Slice, I think it's called. Or Splice. See, if you can't remember the name of the movie, it wasn't good. He's Goodbye. got Move like <laughs> multiple personalities. I want to talk about how Fap is like WAP. I, you know what? Maybe. Yeah, I guess it is. Wap, wap, <laughs> wap, fap, wap. It's all it's all the same, but this one's gross. <laughs> it is. It is. The and honestly, fappening. yeah, that's what makes it gross. Ugh. Anyway, the hacker behind all of this was a man named Ryan Collins. The U.S. Attorney's Office said that Collins used a phishing scheme where he sent emails to celebrities that looked like they were from Apple or Google. He asked the victims to provide their usernames and passwords. And then got access to their accounts and clouds. Do not ever give anyone your username or password via email, folks. Exactly. But also 2014. Like, think about it. Yes. You would have been like, oh shit, something's wrong with my cloud. Let me like listen, email this is this. why I still use a USB drive. <laughs> anyway, like all these victims fell for no, it. No, but and seriously, like, they're, yeah. They're like smart women. And of course, like they were all women, or most were women. Um, so some of the victims include Rihanna, Kate Upton, Selena Gomez, Jennifer Lawrence, Vanessa Hutchins, uh, Callie Coloco, Avril Lavigne, Mary-Kate Olsen, and Amber Heard. That's a, that's a pretty good group of names. Yeah. But in, it was speaking about Jennifer Lawrence in particular, in an interview with Vanity Fair, she spoke up about the pictures. She said that her first thought was to write a public statement. And she says... But every single thing I tried to write made me cry or get angry. Mm -hmm. I started to write an apology, but I don't have anything to say I'm sorry for. Nope. I was in a loving, healthy, great relationship for four years. It was long distance, and either your boyfriend is going to look at porn or he's going to look at you. Hmm, why not both? Yeah, and yeah why not both? <laughs> she talks about her shock when the private intimate photos surfaced on the internet. She says... 
I can't even describe to anybody what it feels like to have my naked body shoot across the world like a newsflash against my will. It just makes me feel like a piece of meat that's being passed around for profit. And it's really sad, and that's fucked up. But people made lots of arguments, like, these actresses have done nude scenes, and, like, what's the big deal? And my favorite argument is, whatever, they're rich. Like, we've we've spoken about this before. Like, the idea that being a public figure comes with limited privacy. But in that same article, Jennifer says, just because I'm a public figure, just because I'm an actress, it does not mean that I ask for this. It does not mean that it comes with the territory. My body, it's my body, and it should be my choice. And the fact that it wasn't was not my choice is absolutely disgusting. I can't believe that we live in a world like this. Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes me think of, like, cosplay. That's a topic we should cover. Like, cosplay Ooh. and consent. Yes. And all of that. Do I, have, like, I have a funny cosplay and consent story. The first year they put up all those signs, I was walking on the show floor by myself, I don't know. I was going to meet somebody and I was just walking and it was like kind of loose where I was. It wasn't a lot of people, but I'm just like swinging my hands out, just like at walking up to mine, like looking up at everything. And my hand hits something very smooth and very cold. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And I look down and it is this woman's butt cheek, like just her butt cheek. And I screamed and was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And she was like, no, you're okay. And I'm just like, I... I was not trying to touch you. Like, I was like, I was so sure she thought I was some weirdo because I was just like, la, 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 la. Oh, my God, ass. And it was like really soft, but very cold because she had like a... (laughs) Because it's cold at Comic-Con. Yeah, but she also had it out. Like, it was some kind of like jumpsuit or not jumpsuit, some kind of like leotard thing she was wearing. And she was painted all white. So it was very funny. And I was just like, it was, I wish, like, you know, when you die and you like see your life back. I want to see that from someone else's point of view. Like, I want to see the look on my face, the look on her face all over again, because it was so weird. So whenever someone's like, cosplay is not consent, I'm like, it's not. And like, you shouldn't touch anybody. But if you accidentally do, you have to say you're sorry. Absolutely. Yes. Anyway, uh, Collins and five other men were actually charged in court after an FBI investigation. And their sentences ranged from eight months to 34 months of jail time with various fines. Again, this jail time is shockingly low. Yeah, that's like no time at all. Like, you could get a, you couldn't even get a degree in that time. I mean, eight months, you can't even have a baby. Right? So to think that these men are just back out there on the streets living their normal lives when their damage is done, and it's actually still happening, because just researching this, I've seen so much of Jennifer Lawrence's nudes, and I'm not even looking for them. Like, imagine I was. Yeah. You know, I've seen all of these nudes without looking for them, and they're constantly being pushed at us. Like, there's celebrity gossip sites that straddle the line between being a great resource for fans and then creating the gossip themselves. Yeah, one such site, Gawker, actually, we could say, flew a little close to the sun uh, when they were posting clips from a sex tape of none other than Hulk Hogan. If you're not familiar, Hulk Hogan is a wrestler, right? And apparently he was having sex with a friend's estranged wife. What's his, uh, does he make a noise or something? What's his, like, catch he like? like? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or is that the Kool-Aid man? <laughs> <laughs> that might be the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> Why not both? Why not both? <laughs> okay, we're, we're, we're checking this out for you, friends. But, um... While we look for that, I want to say, like, you know, Hogan actually sued the company Gawker for invasion of privacy 
Gawker argued that it was only exercising its First Amendment right. Like, fucking hell the way people throw around First Amendment. When they feel like it. And and they were claiming that because Hogan was a public figure, his sex life is a matter of public interest. How does that make sense? Fuck off with that. What? Like, how does... Then then should there be books and should it be in, like, the the congress library the library of congress like for everyone because that's stupid that does that logic doesn't make any sense no it doesn't and and guess what like gawker was wrong they yeah. were dead wrong they actually ended up filing for bankruptcy after being ordered to pay hulk hogan 140 million dollars in damages so that was a big mistake so i think he says brother a lot i can't really find a catchphrase <laughs> we'll look it up later okay and th- Now, this, of course, is not the first time that a leaked sex tape has been the subject of a legal battle, and it's absolutely not going to be the last. Mm -mm. We are not entitled to details of anyone's sex life. This is what Jennifer Lawrence was talking about, right? The choice of sharing one's body should be up to the individual, not someone else who leaks a private moment. I really don't like the term leaked. Um, Okay, fair. I just, we should refer to it as stolen, because it's like, she didn't accidentally send that to tmz or to 4chan like whoops sorry those are my boobs not leak like no those were stolen from her yeah so most of the time like these things are leaked for profit but that's not always the case so in in the case of pamela anderson and tommy lee their sex tape was without a question physically and illegally taken from their home this one seems to be a a case of revenge porn like actual I hate you revenge porn. Uh Uh-huh. So the dude who stole their tape from their home was a contractor that they fired, and he was pissed. So he hatched this whole plot to take them down a peg. Yeah, the tape was given to a porn distributor, Internet Entertainment Group. Real creative. That's like... That sounds shady as hell, right? It sounds like a a shell company for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And they probably distributed it on, like, Netscape Navigator or something. (laughs) It was like before Internet Explorer even, I think. Net Netscape Navigator? Yeah. It was like Google and whatever. I'm old. Did they mail this to your house, Grandma? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> on like a CD-ROM, you know? I remember those AOL CD-ROMs. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I'm old. Well, Internet Entertainment Group actually began selling downloadable copies online. And this was despite an injunction sought by the couple. Eventually, Leon Anderson and IEG reached an agreement over the web version, but then IEG began marketing a videotape, which was priced at $15, and it became the best-selling porn title in history. That price seems too low. I mean, if you're selling enough of them, I guess you're making more money. I don't, I don't I know. I don't, I don't know how much the, the average porn video goes for, but I feel like I would pay 25 bucks if I was going to pay... 15 seems low. Yeah, I, I'm not arguing with yeah. you. I don't know the quality of it. I never watched it. I've seen screen, like, grabs. There's, like, a, something of them on a boat, but, like, also... I thought you were going to say you'd seen, like, screenings of them, like... Oh, yeah, I got on, like, fancy. Angelica or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's free popcorn. They give you a, a sheet for your fappening. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so, in the initial agreement... I gave Pam and Tommy copyright protection of over their stolen tape. If they weren't able to stop people from seeing it and buying it, they could at least make a profit off of this invasion of privacy. Yeah. The goal was ultimately to stop the video from being spread. But like we said about those images that were released during the fappening, things get copied and reposted and copied and reposted and copied and reposted. So the couple would end up playing this sex tape whack-a-mole game for years. 
Yeah, Lee and Anderson actually sued Internet Entertainment Group, IEG, and a settlement was reached, but the couple actually never received their money because the business went bankrupt. There's going to be a limited series on Hulu about Pam and Tommy and this whole scenario, and it sounds really awesome. It's got Lily James and Sebastian Stan, and it oh comes my out God, on... Sebastian Stan. <laughs> <laughs> it comes out 2 2 that All feels right. nice. All right. Yeah. So, and also we're going to do an episode on, on Pamela Anderson. Absolutely. When, but soon. I think because she's like one of the biggest people who I was always like, she's she's just like a blonde slutty lady, right? Like that's what I thought when I was a kid. And then like I started to learn more about her and I was like, oh, she's actually a really good person who had like her whole life changed by a tape that was stolen from her home. Like, I feel like a lot of the women that we've mentioned in this episode um, will be getting episodes. Maybe not all of them, but are coming soon. Yeah. 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 So that video, uh, the Pam and Tommy one, I don't know if it had a fancy name. I don't. Either. I, don't I think it was just the sex tape. Yeah. But it was considered to be the first celebrity sex tape. And Certainly the first one to be distributed on the internet. Other stars to have sex tapes that were leaked, again, stolen, leaked to the public, included uh, Paris Hilton, Kim Kardashian, and Gene Simmons. That's one I definitely would not want to see. Yeah. You know, to each their own. (laughs) Paris Hilton's 2004 sex tape is actually super disturbing because when it was released, Hilton stated publicly that she had been out of it. She didn't know what she was doing during the taping of the video and certainly did not approve its public release. And of course, the guy who released the tape sued her for defamation because, you know, he's obviously the victim. Yeah, that's a really quick way to like cover your ass. Be like, oh, she must be lying. I have to sue her. Hmm. So a, a side note about this guy, his name is Rick Solomon. He's listed as the star, director, producer, and the cinematographer of One Night in Paris, the sex Ew, tape. that's what they called it? Honestly, it's not right, but that is a very good name for a sex tape. Yeah, but it would only be good if she had come up with it. Yes, yes. But it like it's it's clever. It's it's smart. But he's a douchebag. Yes. So he released this film for profit. And uh, the Hilton's claims were going to mess with that. So, of course, he had to sue them. He is also the ex-husband of Pamela Anderson and Shannon Doherty. So, like, this guy gets around. Yeah. Well, Hilton countersued Solomon over the release of the tape. And they settled out of court in July 2005. According to reports, Hilton was awarded as much as $400,000 and planned to donate a percentage to charity. So, you know, she's the victim. And this yeah. she's still turning around and doing something good with them. Yeah. In a 2021 interview with Vanity Fair, Hilton said the tape was humiliating and something that will hurt me for the rest of my life. It's always there in the back of my mind. When it happened, people were so mean about it to me. The way that I was spoken about on nightly talk shows in the media to see things with my family was just heartbreaking. I would be in tears every single day. I didn't want to leave my house. I felt like my life was over. And there are so many questions to be asked while looking at this with uh, Me Too glasses. Like, where was the outrage? Did she look intoxicated in the video? Was a crime committed? Was this consensual? And if so, then why didn't Paris get any money in the profits of the distribution, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Honestly, these questions were not asked because most people hated her at the time. Yeah. She was sold to us as a snobby rich girl, getting drunk at clubs and telling people not to be poor. 
she couldn't be the victim because she was obviously the villain. So most of the hate towards Hilton was crafted to sell tabloids, but we'll talk about that in another episode. People have a really hard time empathizing with people that they don't like, and people are very quick to criticize others without putting themselves in those people's shoes. All right. So we talked about Hilton. We talked about Jennifer Lawrence. We talked about Pamela Anderson. We talked about, you know, Marilyn Monroe. These are our victims. So I want to talk a little bit about victim blaming and why it needs to stop. Right? This idea of blaming the victim. This was actually a phrase that was apparently coined by psychologist William Ryan back in 1971 when he published a book by the same name, Blaming the Victim. The book centered on victim blaming as a means to justify racism and social injustice against black people in the U.S. And although he popularized the phrase, there had been a lot of research into these concepts beforehand, although maybe not with that specific name. The term has since been extended to other categories of victims. By definition, victim blaming occurs when the victim of a crime or uh, or other wrongful action is held at fault for the harm that befalls them. It suggests that the victims are in some way responsible for the actions of the perpetrators of a crime. We can look to history and to the present day to see prejudices against victims of domestic violence and sex crimes in particular. I mean, honestly, just think back to our episode on Sintoya Brown, Mm, just for one example. And there's a tendency to blame victims of rape more so than victims of robbery, for instance, especially if the victim knew the perpetrator prior to the crime taking place. Victim blaming is so common around the world, especially in cultures where it's socially acceptable and advised to treat certain groups of people as less than. Victim blaming can be seen as a secondary assault for survivors of sexual assault, abuse, and rape. It's often used to downplay the severity of a violation and especially common when a victim is intoxicated, knows their perpetrator, or is engaged in consensual activities. In the case of revenge porn, the stigma comes from the fact that the victim, and they are frequently, although not exclusively, women, Mm -hmm. the fact that that victim partook in filming or photographing a sexually explicit situation. Victims often suffer isolation, abuses, slut-shaming, and public humiliation related to the sharing of these photos or films. And especially in heterosexual pairings, we see that the woman is the one who faces the shame while the man is ignored, you know, at best, or even praised. And it's a sexual double standard in practice, right? The the misogyny is so real. Mm -hmm. The idea is that the women should be able to avoid becoming a victim by taking the quote-unquote right steps and avoiding the wrong ones. And these claims come from other women as well. Mm-hmm. Although perhaps of a certain generation, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But when new photos of Congressman Katie Hill were leaked, Nancy Pelosi, who's, what, like 90? No. Oh, my God. She's not that old. I don't know. She's, she's older. Um, she was quoted as saying, It goes to show you we should say to young candidates and to kids in kindergarten, really, be careful when transmitting photos. You know, and... <laughs> Thanks, Nancy. Right. Uh, when when Bella Thorne shared news after being threatened by a hacker, Whoopi Goldberg claimed, if you're famous, I don't care how old you are, you don't take nude photos of yourself. And this, of course, ignores the fact that non-famous people are yeah. victims of revenge porn, too. Whoopi, come on. You're better than that. So victim blaming often occurs when observers, not the victim or the perpetrator, 
assumes personalities and motivations rather than situational factors. Yeah, with revenge porn, this means that those viewing the explicit images are likely to attribute the motivation to the individual. Mm -hmm. Something like, she should not have taken that image in the first place, or she is promiscuous. Mm -hmm. Rather than situational factors, like, she was in a committed relationship when she sent the image, or she did not give her permission for the image to be leaked. Yeah, like with the Jennifer Lawrence photos, people just saw nudes, not what, not that they were sent to a man that she'd been dating for years that happened to be in a long-distance relationship at the time. Those photos were sent to bring them closer together. Those photos were sent to that one person. I'm just trying to think now, like, with the pandemic and then sort of the rise Ooh. of sexting and, and everything with that, like, what kind of things could be taken advantage of there? Yeah, for sure. Honestly, all of this increases the likelihood that judgments will be made about the individual in the image. Mm-hmm. And the individual's sexual promiscuity rather than the actual distribution of the image. And according to multiple studies, victim blaming is such is much more common in men than it is in women, although both do engage in it. Oh, absolutely. The internalized misogyny is mm. very real, too. Yeah. But honestly, at the end of the day, consenting adults should be able to take nude photographs and make sexually explicit videos without fear of them being made public. Right? I mean, sending nudes can be intimate and empowering, and it can help spice up the sex life of many couples and can open doors to sexing-related activities, such as mutual masturbation. And during lockdown, like you said, sexting and sending nudes were some of the only sexual interactions that single people or people not living with their partners could have. So you're right. There's probably nudes just like waiting to be like quote unquote leaked i hope not but yeah i mean it's a possibility and consensual sex videos and nude photographs can be used to celebrate one's body right positive reactions can help with body confidence and even boost self-esteem so we shouldn't be shaming the creation of nude videos Mm -hmm. and photographs And beyond all of these positive experiences, nudes can be used to make money. And if that works for you, again, it's about consent. Without that, we've got a problem. Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about the flip side of this and not who is blamed, but who should be blamed? Where should the blame lie, right? Like, Mm. how dare these people release photos of these women and what right do they have? Let's start out with as long as you're over 18 and the recipient of the photo or video is over 18, it is not illegal to send explicit content of yourself, and especially if you are both consenting. Obviously, it can't speak for all countries, but in the U.S., you know, if if there are two consenting adults, there's nothing illegal about it. Yeah. So if the person you send them to or even a third party shares them, that's one, a breach of your trust. It's not really your fault. You may have consented to the individual seeing your nude, but that does not mean that they have the right to share them even further. Yeah, some states have laws against distributing nudes without consent. Like Indiana, for example, criminal charges include the first offense being a misdemeanor and the second offense being a felony. And with civil charges, the victim could recover damages because of non-consensual sharing of these private images. Those are pretty strict laws. I like that. So in California, they have the unlawful P game. Um, evasion of privacy and revenge porn are all misdemeanors uh, for first-time offenders with penalties that include up to six months in jail and or a fine up to $1,000. Penalties can be doubled if the distributor has been previously convicted. Yeah, in New York City, it's a criminal and civil offense to disclose or threaten to disclose an intimate image of another person with the intent to cause harm. 
Under New York City's law, this act is punishable by up to one year in jail and a fine of up to $1,000 in criminal court and could result in financial compensation and a legal mandate that the perpetrator stop the abuse in civil court. So New York State has kind of the same thing, but except the image has to have been disclosed. A threat's not enough. So legally, it is the person who discloses the image of another who is at fault. But at the same time, we can question the effectiveness of these laws in protecting the actual Mm -hmm. victims. So just like most things, we can boil it down to uh, blame the patriarchy. Yeah. Uh, In this case, in particular, it's the male gaze. So what is the male gaze? What does that mean? Well, the male gaze is the act of depicting women and the world from a masculine heterosexual perspective that presents and represents women as sexual objects for the pleasure of the heterosexual male viewer. So there are three perspectives of the male gaze, the men behind the camera, the male characters of the story, and the male spectators. So in this case of revenge porn, uh, we would primarily be focusing on the third one, although it could probably be all three. Yeah, any of them could apply for sure. Laura Mulvey, a British feminist film theorist, actually proposes that sexual inequality, that is the asymmetrical social and political power of men and women, is a controlling force in how women and men are represented. Now, this is particularly in cinema, but can also apply to any visual media, really. And of course, the male gaze, or the aesthetic pleasure for the male viewer, is a social construct derived from the ideologies and discourses of, you guessed it, the patriarchy. Hmm. So how exactly does this connect with revenge porn? Well, revenge porn is a result of the normalization of a woman's objectification in the media as an acceptable form of punishment for its victims. It serves as a way to hold power over the victim and to objectify them. Yeah, according to Stephanie Davis Kempton, quote, the popularity of the male gaze allows for the continual objectification of women's bodies in culture. And she says, revenge porn specifically serves to objectify, sexualize, and shame its victims' bodies. Basically, as she further elaborates, revenge porn targeting women is a direct result of the normalization of gendered inequalities in society that are continually reified through media techniques like the male gaze and male voyeurism. So the last point we'll cover is where we should look in terms of placing the blame. It's capitalism. Again, these are systemic issues that are really the problem. Yeah. Yeah, individuals who release these photos and videos without consent are to blame, but, like, what's driving them? In many cases, it's a money thing. Yeah, definitely. We're we're not going to be able to get into this too much here because we covered it with the detailed examples that we gave you earlier in the episode, but Mm -hmm. it just seems important to emphasize that the profiting that takes place with revenge porn in so many instances is a big factor with the distribution of this Mm -hmm. revenge porn. Like, if you think back to the Hunter Moore, like, he was making all that money off advertising, so... And he was like, whoops, I didn't know I could do this. Yeah. yeah. let me make all the money. So it was like, cool, you guys sent in your nudes, but I like more advertising money, so let's go find some nudes. So that might have pushed him into the hacking. Yeah. And a contemporary example... Would be uh, Pornhub. Yeah. So they've been accused multiple times of not doing enough to prevent the distribution of their videos uploaded without consent of the individual. I, I just want to say, like... Pornhub, not the best. Like, there's a good site, though, called um, Beleza. Oh, how do you spell that? Oh, I always forget. I, I don't remember whether it's a Z or an S at the end, but um, but they market themselves as ethical porn. Oh. so See, I just knew, like, Pornhub, X, 
tube or something. Like they're just like easy to remember. Yeah. So yeah, Beleza is a uh, is a good one, and they have all sorts of different hmm. types. But it's a women owned oh site as well. So okay, yeah, that's good to know. Yeah. Fun facts. Fun facts. <laughs> Ch- changing up the way I shop. I don't <laughs> shop for porn, but you know. Making sure my advertising dollars go to where they should be going to. Exactly. Uh, so Pornhub, more reasons why they suck. Um, they've been very slow to remove these videos. And oftentimes they're duplicated and then uploaded by the time they get around to removing the videos in question. Yeah. So like someone protests that a video has been uploaded. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, fine, we'll take it down. But by the time they take it down, someone's already duplicated it, re-uploaded yeah. it under another name. Great. Uh, the sex tape whack-a-mole. Sex tape whack-a-mole. Sites like Pornhub allow basically anyone to upload to them, and then they profit from the ads that show during these videos. Like, Pornhub makes the profits. Mm. So, Not Your Porn founder, Kate Isaacs, has claimed that the systems in place to take down content are basically just for show, and that porn sites like Pornhub are reluctant to remove content, which could get them any sort of advertising money. So Pornhub, of course, disputes this and says that anything that directly violates their terms and agreements is removed as soon as they are made aware of it. And they even have software in place that scans new uploads to prevent re-uploading any unauthorized content. Yeah, but if revenge porn is something we, we truly hope to end, perhaps it's time to focus on those seeking their revenge or making profits instead of the subjects of the explicit content. So now we just want to talk a little bit about um, the damage that this does to women, like the impact that they have to suffer with. There's an article in 2019 written for The Guardian where we learn about a teacher named Lauren Miranda. She was a math teacher at a public middle school in Long Island until a topless photo of her was leaked by a male colleague she was dating. Miranda was suspended immediately and the school board voted to fire her several months later following a closed door meeting in March. School officials told Miranda she could no longer serve as a role model for students because she caused the photo to leak. She she mm. caused the photo to leak. Yes. After failing to take adequate precautionary measures in preventing its circulation. So a crappy ex-boyfriend shows a personal image that he had no right or permission to share with her co-workers. Her co-workers then share that same image amongst themselves completely without any permission or reason, really. And then she's the problem for taking for having taken the pictures. I mean, biggest eye roll ever. You know, and, and like just the fact that she's the only one punished for right? this, right? But, if they both worked for the school district. Exactly. Like, anyway. Like I don't think anyone should have been fired, but if she was fired, where's where's his uh where's his notice? Absolutely. Miranda's situation isn't a singular one either, right? Stacey McIntosh, for example, uh, an HR consultant in Las Vegas, told Mel Magazine that if she found nude images of an applicant, she'd pass on the candidate. She said, it shows an extreme lack of judgment to have nude photos of yourself publicly available when you're looking for a job. And she continues, and I'd coach other hiring managers to pass on the candidate as well. I mean, we can only hope that more HR folks aren't as close-minded as Stacy. but, I mean, it's a strong possibility. Like, something like this can follow you in your career. Yeah, and, you know, we already know that, like, people who have felonies have a difficult time getting a job, yeah. and now we're saying, like, people who have ever been photographed naked mm-hmm. can't get it. I don't know. Anyway... 
In April 2015, Kevin Boliart, the founder of the revenge porn website YouGotPosted.com. And of course, that's the letter U. Because like, yeah. it's 2015. Ugh. He was actually sentenced to 18 years in state prison for 27 counts of identity theft and extortion. This website was similar to anyone up. And it enabled anonymous posting of explicit material without victim's consent along with the names, addresses, and social networking details of these individuals. Could you imagine? Like, your address. Like, that's absolutely insane. So Kevin is a complete asshole. Um, And he also ran a site called changemyreputation.com, where victims would pay between $250 and $350 to have their photos removed. So that would explain the extortion charge, right? Right. Like, I I know it's become a bit... A, a bit of a joke to talk about men and their audacity, but like, my God, this dude really went for it. Like, he was setting the house on fire and then charging people for the water to put it out. Oh, one of the many women who testified in court said that she experienced considerable victim shaming and felt led to believe that it was all her fault. And she even admitted that she had attempted suicide as a result of these photos being leaked. Leaked. Again, leaked. Leaked, yeah. We talk about, like, a little bit about the laws that have been started and the legislation. So Mm -hmm. in January 2018, which seems like, what was, like, a blink ago? Yeah. I uh, mean, definitely yesterday was 2019. So So, uh, Chrissy Chambers uh, became the first person in the UK to win a civil lawsuit seeking damages for revenge porn. Chambers sued her former partner for harassment, breach of confidence, and misuse of private information after her ex uploaded six different videos to a free-to-watch pornographic site after they have split up. Chambers says that she was very intoxicated in the video, she doesn't remember having sex, and she never gave permission to film. Revenge porn in England is illegal and has been since 2015, but the videos of Chambers were uploaded in 2011, meaning the UK police were powerless and could not pursue any criminal charges. Good Lord. Right? So she brought the civil case in March of 2016. After settling out of court in 2017, her case was a legal precedent. And it should serve as a warning to those looking to get payback at the end of a relationship. As well as damages, Chambers won the copyright of her video so she can pursue any website that hosts them. And she also got an apology from her ex-boyfriend, but like, fuck that dude. Yeah. So regarding copyright laws, right, the law is slowly coming around to understanding revenge porn, but like things are moving really slowly. You know, is it that technology moves faster than the wheels of justice? Or is it that 80% of revenge porn victims are women? Why not both? Honestly, people don't really care about women's issues. Like, that's a thing. Yeah. One thing that has seemed to work from a legal standpoint is copyright laws. In an article written by Amanda Lewandowski for The Atlantic, she notes that more than 80% of the revenge porn photos are selfies. This means that as the quote-unquote authors of their selfies, the majority of victims own the copyright in their photos. Victims can use the takedown provisions, Digital Millennium Copyright Act, DMCA, to de-index websites with their photos from search engines like Google and ask the websites themselves to remove the photos all without having to hire a lawyer. Now, this doesn't solve all the problems, but, you know, because once an image or a video is shared on one site, it's likely to pop up on another. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, whack-a-mole. But a few nonprofits have been started to help victims take action against these sites. So as of February 2021, 46 states and Washington, D.C. have 
laws prohibiting the distribution or promotion of non-consensual pornography. There's no federal law, and the punishment varies by state. They range from a fine to jail time. Yeah, and we'll we'll share an image of the states mm-hmm. and what what states have no laws, which ones consider it a misdemeanor, which ones consider it a felony, and so and on. which ones don't give a shit at all. Yeah, looking at you, Mississippi, and strangely, Massachusetts. But here we go. Anyway, usually revenge porn is not the only crime that takes place. So there's hacking, harassment, or stalking that tend to go hand in hand with the release of non-consensual pornography and sadly most of these laws are super new so victims have to help build a case for the police but at least there are sort of other approaches that you can take to uh, criminalizing Mm. this distribution of the images or videos in a personal essay written for exojane a victim describes the aftermath the aftermath of finding new photos of herself online The anonymous woman states, I toyed with the idea of reporting it to the police, but at the time the pictures had been stolen, I was living in a different state. I called the police precinct where they seemed really confused and skeptical and wanted me to come in. I'd read enough horror stories about the way that sexual assault victims are treated and decided that I did not want to go to the police. Also, I would have to give them screenshots. She wasn't comfortable re-traumatizing herself to the cops who would possibly judge her for it. Understandable. I mean, yeah. I mean, not every police station is going to be filled with Olivia Bensons and Odafin Tutiolas. I mean, many victims don't report, and that's their choice. And, and the thing is, I think many more would choose to if they were taken seriously. Yeah. Or treated with compassion. Yeah. There's an emotional impact as well, right? Revenge pornography can have serious mental health implications for victims. Mm -hmm. Victims must cope with long-term personal and psychological consequences since you can't ever really know for sure if the image or video has been removed from every website. There'll always be this fear that the images may continue to haunt them throughout their lives. According to one study, 49% of victims report that they experienced cyber harassment and cyber stalking by online users who have viewed their posted photographs. This becomes especially easy to do, especially when the social media addresses and professions are listed next to these photos. Yeah, this same study actually noted that 80 to 93% of victims suffered significant emotional distress after the release of their private images. The distress includes anger, guilt, paranoia, depression, even suicide. There may also be deterioration in personal relationships and feelings of isolation, right? The trust has been broken and they feel rightly violated. Yeah. All right. So what do we take away from all this? Because I mean, I feel like we've only touched the tip of the iceberg here. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, after all the research, it kind of feels like sending nudes or making a sex tape is a terrible bad idea, right? Because if you trust someone, they can be hacked. Or it can turn out that the person that you trusted shouldn't have shouldn't have had your trust in the first place. But that's really boring thinking. You yeah. know, also, you're going to be judged anyway if you send them or if you don't send them. So I'd say take them if you want. Only if you want to. Like, don't let anybody's horny-ass son talk you into it. <laughs> Like, make sure you look hot, find your angles, and do you. Yeah, I mean, you should be able to do this without fear, but that's not the reality of it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I, I take away that we, you know, we need a federal law against revenge porn. Uh, yeah. Something that's consistent across state lines. Like, especially because a lot of this stuff happens on the internet. So, like, which state takes responsibility? Exactly. Is it where the victim lives? 
or where the perpetrator of the crime lives, mm-hmm. where it was uploaded, like yeah, you know? and and can that even be told in in all cases? Um, you know, but like also right now, I don't really trust the Supreme Court to deal with this mm-hmm. kind of thing at the Tax. moment. So I I don't know. I don't know what there is to do. You know, as usual, we want to share a couple of the resources and references that we used. I found naked pictures of myself on the internet, written anonymously for humanparts.medium.com. Okay. Um, One of the articles I read was called Erotic Extortion, Understanding the Cultural Propagation of Revenge Porn, and that was uh, an article by Stephanie Davis Kempton. The Art of Taking a Good Nude by Maddie Munson for tab.com. And Women's Justice Now website, which we'll we'll link in the show notes, they have a page called Know Your Rights Revenge Porn, which has a lot of great information. So what do you think? Let us know. And speaking of letting us know, we actually have some thoughts to share with you this week. This week, we're going to share Mal's thoughts. Now, Mal wrote to us in response to the Lydia Bennett episode from two weeks ago, and this is what they had to say. Listening to your pod and the discussion of how unfair the inheritance is reminded me of an article I read about a trans man inheriting. And they then share uh, an article from the New York Times from November 2nd of 2021, and it's entitled The Secret 53-Year-Old British Case That Could Have Legalized Trans Identity. And this was written by Sarah Schulman. So I'm going to share the link in the show notes, but basically as a brief recap, the article discusses a Scott named Ewan Forbes, who is a trans man born in 1912, who was in a position to potentially inherit his father's estate, but was challenged by his cousin John and his sister Margaret, who attested in court to Ewan's status as female at birth. So I'm not going to spoil the end result, but it is an interesting article and worth taking a look at if you can. So thanks, Mel, for sharing that. I want to put that in the show notes for you all. Yeah, thanks. Um, I really love it when people find parallels to the episodes that we're covering. And we definitely encourage any of our other listeners to reach out when they find something they think they might be interested in sharing with everyone else. Remember, you can follow the podcast at Twitter at Big Rip Pod. That's where Mal found us. And Instagram at Big Reputations Pod. You can send us a message on either of those platforms or email us at bigreputationspod at gmail.com. And just like Mal's thoughts, we'd love to include your thoughts in a future episode. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I listen to it on Podcast Addict. You can just subscribe and it downloads automatically. Share us consensually, of course, with your friends and your family. Subscribe and leave a five-star review. And remember that we have merch. Christmas is coming. This is this episode comes out before Christmas. So, you know, if you're still looking for those Christmas gifts. <laughs> if you order right now, you might be able to get it. Yeah. I think yeah. Redbubble's pretty quick. They are, yeah. Their stuff. Um, you know, our wonderful logo designer, Samantha Wallace, has put the logo up on her Redbubble. So mm-hmm. you can order a variety of items from stickers to T-shirts to shower curtains and mouse pads and, you know, basically anything you can think of. Um, that link is in the show notes as well. So let's wrap it up, Kim. What quote do you have for us this week? Mine is from the great and heavenly Olivia Benson of Law & Order SVU. It's a really screwed up world, but it's not your fault. And what happened to you does not make you the monster. Yeah. And as always, believe women.